From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared J.B. Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have folk music trio Gumbo, Grits, and Gravy on the show. Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis of Gumbo, Grits, and Gravy will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hello, JB. This week, we've got something hot cooked up in a pot with a hearty dollop of spices from all across the U.S. with a taste of the African homeland. They call themselves gumbo, grits, and gravy. The three parts which make the whole include friend of the show Guy Davis with Marcella Simeon and Ann Harris. Marcella, a native of New Orleans who has been living among our artist community in Memphis for some time now, is always booked and busy. Coming out of the pandemic, she amended one of her standing gigs at local haunt bar DKDC to accommodate a little help from her friends, Anne and Guy. And so it was, the gumbo, grits, and gravy was served. Their debut album was an effort born amid the pandemic as well. The group recorded their parts remotely, with Guy in New York, Anne in Chicago, and Marcella here in Memphis. The three are a magical pairing, with Anne anchoring the group with her engaging presence on stage, playing fiddle acrobatically and enchantingly, gliding with the rhythm of the group. Guy, the son of the incomparable royal couple of the art and entertainment world, Ruby Dee and Ozzy Davis, is a renowned actor, guitarist, and banjo player in his own right. And Marcella is a multi-instrumentalist known locally for her Zydeco-infused rock and soul. And Marcella's known also for the accordion because, I mean, no one else in town is really playing the accordion. She's kind of got that whole thing sewed up to herself. Well, of course she does. She's the daughter of Grammy Award-winning Zydeco musician Terrence Simeon. Her upbringing is soaked in the sound and history of the genre. Together, all three artists' flavors have been simmering since their formation just before the world and all of its stages shut down. So it's only natural that things are heating up for gumbo, grits, and gravy. Ah, now you've got me hungry, JB. All right, all right, all right. I think I got a good idea. How's about we take the lid off the pot and grab some gumbo, grits, and gravy? Here they are live on Bill Street Caravan. It's alright, it's alright. It's alright, it's alright. It's alright, it's alright. It's alright, it's alright. Could be a spoonful of kisses. Could be a spoonful of spice. Just a spoon of your precious love Make this taste so nice Mama do, mama do Put it in the pot Mama do, mama do Show me what you got Mama do, mama do Put it in the pot Mama do, mama do Show me what you got Gumbo, grits and gravy Almost drive me crazy Gravy make me lose my mind. It's alright, it's alright. It's alright, it's alright. It's alright, it's alright. It's alright, it's 
so much we are gumbo grits and gravy
Found Marcella Simeon.
That was Gumbo Grits and Gravy live on Bill Street Caravan. For more information on the band, check out gumbogritsandgravy.com. We'll be back with more music from the trio in just a bit.
Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation, and it's also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. If you ever wondered how the blues became rock and roll, there's two words you need to know. Roy Brown. Lots of folks forgot about Roy Brown. They think the Stones dug Mighty Waters, the Beatles dug Howlin' Wolf, Elvis dug Big Boy Crudup, and that's it. Nothing wrong with any of that as far as truth goes, it's true. But rock and roll didn't travel that way. To feel where rock and roll came from, you got to walk in a blown-out pair of shoes resold with cardboard. That's what Roy Brown wore into New Orleans. He carried nothing but a song. It was all he had after hopping the red-eyed greyhound out of Galveston. When that hound pulled into the Crescent City, Roy checked the paper and saw that his idol was in town. Roy thought, if I ever get to be a blues singer, I'd like to be that guy. He's good and he knows it. He just takes charge. Roy picked up a brown paper sack, scribbling down the words to his song, and hoped Wynoni Harris would buy it. He started hoofing on those cardboard soles from the bus terminal uptown and thought about his song. It first came to be as a jingle for the place Roy used to work in Galveston, Club Grenada, part cat house, part nightclub, part reefer store. Roy Brown sang with the house band, the Melodiers, mostly Sinatra and Bing. The lady who ran the Grenada asked him to do a ditty over the radio to advertise the place, make it sound fun. Roy had no problem inventing a colorful cast of characters. Sweet Lorraine, Sioux City Sue, Elder Brown, and Caldonia too, that partied at Club Grenada. After all, his mama's name was True Love Brown. Now, to cleverly explain what was going on, but in code, he couldn't come right out and say reefer and playgirls. It came to him. I heard the news. There's good rockin' tonight. He sold the people of Galveston on the rockin' concept. They came to Club Grenada and rocked. Roy felt confident about that. Now would the same thing work for Wynoni Harris? Roy walked toward a building, three stories of gray stone, pink siding, and blurry cube windows, the rainbow room. He pushed through the door and saw Wynoni sitting at the bar. Up close, Wynoni looked every bit as flamboyant, brash, and dashing as he sounded on the jukebox. Wynoni smoked and joked with the fans while a lump grew in Roy's throat. Roy just stood there on his cardboard soles, torn paper sack in hand. Wynoni turned a gray eye toward him. What's this? I got a song, Roy said. Wynoni flailed his arms on not another one of these songs. Yes, I want you to hear it. Wynoni walked off. Don't bother me, son. Roy folded up his sack and left. He wandered down the street toward the next club. It was 2.30 in the morning. Out of the dewdrop in, Roy heard a piano fire like a machine gun. And that meant only one thing, Cecil Gant. When Gant stepped off stage and lit up, he walked right into Roy, who threw the same pitch that sent Wynoni Harris running. Gant was cool, though. Let me hear, he said. When Roy got through, Gant said, I gotta make a call. Hold on. A minute later, Gant called Roy to the payphone. Sing it, Gant said. For who? President Deluxe Records. 
Roy Brown uncorked his loudest good rockin' tonight into the cigarette stinking receiver, and after he finished, heard nothing. After what felt like forever, Mr. Deluxe cleared his throat. <clears throat> Will you sing it once more? This time, Mr. Deluxe told Roy to get Gant back on the line. Gant heard the president say, Give him $50, don't let him out of your sight. Within weeks, Roy's new record blared out of every jukebox along Rampart Street. He caught on as artist-in-residence at Club Downbeat, where he shouted the blues until sunrise. He made 10 bucks a night, had a room above the dance hall, and all the girls on blackberry wine he could handle. Not even Wynoni Harris could ignore those results. Now, Wynoni had to pay for the privilege to sing a song he could have owned for pocket change. Roy cut his good rockin' in mellow mode. He sang it in that Sinatra Bing swing from Galveston days. Wynoni turned the heat up a little. Now, the two versions battled in Billboard magazine's top 15 and began a revolution. If Wynoni wanted to jump Roy's claim, that was all right. But Roy thought he might just have to cop some of Wynoni's style in return. Roy hit back with his record, Mighty Mighty Man. Now he had attitude, rockin' lingo, and could outshout Wynoni Harris himself. Well, I'm a mighty, mighty man. I'm young and I'm in my prime. Yes, I'm a mighty, mighty man. The music world didn't quite know what to make of Roy's sound. Billboard described his rock and blues shout sandwiched between some woolly jazz licks. One news story hollered, Roy Brown puts blues singing on a new kick. Roy sings the blues with a spiritual shouting rhythm. Roy put together a group called the Mighty Mighty Men and headed out on the Chitlin circuit. Their record smoked so hot, Mr. Good Rockin' and the Mighty Mighty Men played to packed houses from their home turf in New Orleans up to Beale Street in Memphis, all the way to the Crown Jewel. They stormed the Apollo in Harlem. Before the notoriously cold audience even knew what was happening, Tenor sax man Leroy Rankins swung out of the rafters onto the stage and the mighty, mighty men appeared all dressed in matching purple suits, blowing the roof off. That night, Leroy Rankins became known as Batman. Roy totally bypassed the MC and provided his own introduction. Good rockin', that's my name. They're gonna put my rock in the Hall of Fame. He sweat through four suits per hour and lost 10 pounds a day working the Apollo. Roy's wife came to see the show for the first time. Afterwards, they sat in a cafe together. The waiter set down a tray of two whole chickens and two orders of fries. Roy's wife said, You know I don't eat much. I doubt we each need our own chicken. He told her, You order what you want. That's for me. Roy and his mighty men rocked the circuit from the Apollo all the way down to Haney's Big House, a juke joint in Faraday, Louisiana. Two teenage cousins, born months apart, biked through the Faraday night searching for trouble. They stopped off at Haney's. Their uncle Lee owned the place. Both kids carried their uncle's name, but not even that could get Jimmy Lee Swaggart and Jerry Lee Lewis admission to the Big House. 
Outside in the darkness, they could see beams of neon light glowing between the crack slats in the wall. They heard the PA spark and felt music and dancing vibrate the whole building. Haney's big house rocked. Jimmy Lee and Jerry Lee peeked through the windows. Liquor bottles stood tall behind the bar. Slot machines blinked. On stage, six men in purple suits jumped and kicked in time while a guy hopped from the bar to a table wailing tenor sax. Consider their young minds blown. Many years down the road, after Roy and Batman and the rest of the Mighty Mighties had gone on, somebody asked Jerry Lee what he saw. It was like strolling through heaven, he said. Jerry Lee struggled with how to explain same as Billboard did in the late 40s. It was like giving birth to a new music that people needed to hear, he said. But even this explanation fell short. Finally, it became clear. Rock and roll, Jerry Lee said. That's what it was. Roy Brown and his mighty, mighty men left Faraday and headed for a recording date in Dallas. They had toured for nearly a full solid year, rarely catching a night off, but they had their chemistry down. They knew exactly what drove crowds wild down to the note. In Dallas, they put it all on wax, the overpowering intensity of Batman swinging from the stage curtains, hands clapping like the devil's choir, and Roy chanting for the people to rock this joint, tear off the roof. Now, Roy was good, and he knew it. He just took charge. He'd never walk in cardboard sole shoes again. Roy rocked so strong and steady, white musicians only took six more years to catch on. Well, I heard the news. That's good to rock it tonight. Well, I heard the news. That's good to rock it tonight. I'm gonna hold my baby till time. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.
Bill Street Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We're back, and for those of you who are just tuning in, we're having an aromatic and intimate experience with gumbo, grits, and gravy. The group may be categorized as roots, folk, or Americana, but the actual palette of taste that bind them together is much more complex than those terms might allude to. Absolutely. We've mentioned the Zydeco, the soul, the blues, jazz, R&B, field haulers. It's all there and much more. If anything, it's uniquely American, speaking directly to the melting pot that has positioned us all here, from slavery to the great migration of blacks to cities like New York, Memphis, and Chicago. And there's, of course, the influence of rural life, such as the track Leaves Turning, where Anne speaks directly to the influence of her grandparents, sharecroppers who live in the rolling hills of West Virginia. Their entire self-titled EP is an epic journey that tells the tales of all aspects of American life, relevant through time, even if its very existence relies upon the technology of today. I dig that. It's a bit of a trip to think about how many statements they were able to fit into this album, how many styles, ideas, and stories they were able to express. I guess it's more than gumbo, grits, and gravy. Yeah, I mean, there's yams, collard greens, Macaroni and cheese, baked beans, <laughs> oh, potato salad. Pat, when's lunch? I don't know, but <laughs> I'm over here thinking of all the things that we can have. Well, we're going to need a break to enjoy this album as it was attended with a little bit of something to eat on the side. So just to help the music go down, here's Gumbo Grits and Gravy live on Bill Street Caravan. Thank you.
everybody's afraid of the drummer Dustin. They find him so disturbing until he bought the whole bar. Triple shots of bourbon. It's gonna all be over soon. It's gonna all be over soon. It's gonna all be over soon. It's gonna all be John, sitting down on this stool, got an IQ of 500, who said he was a fool? It's gonna all be over soon, it's gonna all be over soon, it's gonna all be over soon, it's gonna all be over soon.
don't know what it means to win Welcome to the Bill Street Caravan. This is Jared J.B. Boyd. I am here with a great group. We've got Ann, we've got Marcella, we've got Guy of Gumbo Grits and Gravy. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Well, it's so great to have you all here. It's wonderful to have you here in person, Guy, just because I feel like I've been sharing this show with your voice for so long since I've been on it. Oh, yes. They recorded me for about 19 hours just <laughs> running my mouth, and I, I got good at it. How does an ensemble like this come together for a project? Uh, some of it had to do with uh, my management going back a ways, but I've been seeing and hearing Ann Harris for many moons. And I saw this woman play in such a way that her fingers dance on the violin. Mm. And then she had the nerve while she playing to start doing bending and doing almost backflips. So she dancing, her fingers are dancing, the music is dancing. I said, oh, man. Now, Marcella Simeon, I got to meet her by way of her parents. This young woman, if she hears it, she could sing it. And if she feels it, watch out. All right. Watch out. Now, Marcella, I'm sure that isn't the first time you've heard that glowing praise, but how does it feel in this moment? Uh, I mean, words can hardly express it because coming from someone like Guy who has the rich history that you have guy and has played on stages all over the world it's the greatest thing to hear i don't know how i got this lucky to be in a room with these two incredible artists but i count my blessings every day that i get to create with them and um yeah my voice is cracking because i'm trying not to cry and because i'm losing it at the same time so and from your perspective now we're gonna let you rest a little bit too but i want to hear from your grace because your grace just lights up the space. What was it like putting this ensemble together? I will echo the sentiments of my uh, esteemed bandmates. It really is my goal as an artist and as a human really to feel engaged with every project that I am going to put my energy into. I, you know, I don't want to just phone in anything. That's not how I work. And so when the opportunity came to me and Guy reached out to like, I got this idea and my manager Tom was putting together this thing and would you be a part of it? I mean, I'm like, you had me when you said, hi, it's Guy Davis, because I'll do anything for Guy. He's incredible. <laughs> now, Marcella, her light is so bright. The way she expresses herself is so far beyond her years. I'm just honored to work with people I have such respect for and to feel like we are doing something that is really not something you see brown folks doing. And I think it's important for all people to see the diversity of our musical lineage. So coming together to do this record, what was that process like? We did it virtually, right? Wow. Before before the pandemic, the year before. Yeah, we sent each other files and from our respective cities 
made the songs happen. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. What are you all noticing from these stages and, and through performing this music about Sense of Place? Are there any new revelations that come to mind when you think about all these different influences coming together? What we do can be called world music. It can be called Americana. It can be called folk music. I hear jazz when we get up in there. And don't let me bust out the banjo and get countrified. And we're writers as well as performers. So I'm just going to say this is people's music. It is creative music. It's music that involves the audience. If they want to sing with us, we want them to feel welcome. And if they want to dance, it's hard to make people sit down. Well, we were talking a bit before we came in about the instrumentation of, of both the, the record and the live show. Could we break down? Everyone Everyone seems like they got their hands busy with a couple of things. So what's the breakdown on the stage and on the record? And fiddle and, and stomps and claps and some extra percussion. I'm doing a little percussion as well on the frottoir, um, which everyone knows that as the rub board or the washboard. Um, and then I play accordion. And Guy is playing a little yes, bit. Yes, and too. even with keyboards, myself. Oh, yeah, keyboard, too. Um, okay, I am playing guitar, five-string banjo, and harmonicas. You know, some people do not think of black Americans or think of, of uh, people of color uh, in these audiences or on the stages that, that you all occupy. This music, as you mentioned, is a world. It's folk. It's, it's country. It's raw. It's real. It's all of those things. And it, as you mentioned, Guy, it belongs to people. When you think of what kinds of people, does that even matter? Or are you giving some power back to some sorts of people? Or is that something that I hear in this music? Because I feel like there's a political statement or a social statement rather here in this music. I think you're spot on with there being a social statement because anytime you see people of color or marginalized people or women in spaces that are predominantly not occupied by those particular demographics. Just the visual of, of seeing those people holding instruments and opening up their mouths and telling stories and uh, just their presence is eye-opening and educational. I can't tell you how many times I've stepped onto a stage and seen little black girls in the audience under 10 years old staring at me like I'm from another planet like I've never seen anyone do that in my life and afterwards coming back and can I touch it can I hold it um, people don't realize that fiddles and banjos were the predominant instruments pre-civil war and during slavery and it was because of their portability and their accessibility they were just more accessible than guitars at that time and so the early entertainments were string band music. And plantation owners used to take people that were promising fiddle players, enslaved people, and send them down to New Orleans, which was the fiddle capital of training, for a period of time to teach them to learn how to fiddle and then send them back to their plantations to play for white people's events. And also they would make sure that they would entertain slaves their own people as well to uh, have something to rally around i guess and and guy i mean what does it feel like to be in this place with this musical history and what was what was the energy like uh, last night with that first show last night's energy was on fire it felt like we were sitting around in somebody's kitchen having a hoot nanny and then somebody's mom and dad were back there pouring drinks and fixing food and 
I love DKDC. Bar DKDC is is just got this incredible vibe. It's an intimate room, and when you experience live music in an intimate way like that, it is so singular. You remember those experiences. I mean, I love the big rock and roll stages and the big shows and the the stuff and backstage. And I mean, you know, I like that stuff too. But there's nothing like playing in an intimate room where you have that immediate emotional exchange with each other as bandmates and with our audience members because they're right there. Well, Gumbo, Grits, and Gravy, I must say this has been amazingly insightful, so I truly, truly appreciate being here with y'all today. And welcome once again to Memphis and uh, have an amazing show and an amazing stay while you're here. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Here's more from Ann, Guy, and Marcella, Gumbo, Grits, and Gravy, live on Bill Street Caravan.
Visit gumbogritsandgravy.com. The trio is a busy bunch, but when they are together, they make for a flavorful and fun evening of music. So keep in touch and keep them in mind if they happen to be booked in a city near you. Bill Street Caravan is supported by awards from Memphis Travel and Tennessee Arts Commission. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use the hashtag #IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell Worley, and I'm Jared Boyd. And you've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Beale Street Caravan. Thank you.